Hi, good morning, and welcome to my cloud of words. Today's is the first episode of the pod, and I really do hope that you guys enjoy it and you stay a little. Let's see where to even begin. Um, I'm trying to split this story in possibly three parts. <laughs> I just don't think it'd be fair to talk about this in just one episode because I'm trying to fit six years of marriage in my life in, you know, so, so little. So I think the best way and more fair way to properly give details and talk about everything will be just split it in three different ways. The point of today's episode is just, you know, like you guys know how everything started, um, how everything ended. And I know that so many of you have had questions about this over the years. That's, that is not why I'm doing this, though. I personally just wanted to share my experience in, you know, falling in love, getting Mary's uh, social John age, and, you know, getting divorced before the age of 25 as well, because you don't see that quite often. Well, you, you do if you're in the military, but not, not as a civilian. And I just wanted to share my experience because it does involve some, you know, a lot of toxic behavior and emotional, verbal, and psychological abuse. Um, I just wanted to put my story out there for those of you that might be going through the same thing or have gone through the same situation. You know, it's uh, very crucial to be able to identify toxic patterns now and um, be able to know when when to leave the situation and that's very important too because more often than not sometimes we see the red flags and just we stay anyways <laughs> how often do we say i um at least i i know that i gave it my all at least i know that i tried at least i know that you know i did everything that i could well you keep saying that but when is enough going to be well enough you know, when when will you finally decide that, you know what, I absolutely gave it everything that I had a long time ago and it's just not going anywhere. Like, this is it. Like, we, we keep saying that and we just keep investing ourselves into something that doesn't change. Um, but once upon a time, <laughs> our story begins in Portland, Oregon. The year is... 2012. Is it 2012? Yeah, 2012. I was still a senior in high school. And I'm never going to forget this because I think I was 17 at the time. It was right before my birthday. It was November, maybe 17. Hi, ironic. And we went to see the last, the second part of the Twilight uh, movie. It was like the very last version, not version, but the very last part that they put out in movie theaters. At the time, and I went to see it with two of my best friends at the time, Arlette and um, Mari. And she, she lived, one of them lived with me. So I just remember Arlette's dad went to pick us up and she asked me if I wanted to go to her house. And I said, yes. And I went to her house and we like walked in, like rushing, you know, like typical kids in movies, you know, just so much energy and just rushing everywhere and I was just really happy mostly because my mom was so controlling she would not let me leave the house she would not let me be with friends I mean god that makes her sound awful not like that she was just very typical Latina mom you know like you're not staying at somebody else's house type of deal like I was I was due to return that night um but I just remember going up the stairs and we we heard like noises uh coming from from uh, the second floor. And I remember Arlette looked at me and said like, oh guys, my brother's friends might be here. And her brother was a year ahead of us. So, you know, I'm a senior and I'm thinking like, oh my God, your brother's friends are here. Oh, interesting. And uh, I just, I just had this idea that they were all going to be like super cute. And like, I just wanted to see them like, oh my God, Arlette, your older brother. What? Yeah, I was stupid. I just remember, um, going up and seeing and like really liking one of them even though i i got i barely shared a look even a, a moment with this person okay um and i just remember asking her like oh my god who is that guy who is the white man sitting over there 
and she laughed and she was like, oh, that's Jesse. And that, that's how it all started. After that, a couple days later, I managed to find him on Facebook and I added him. And, you know, I, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say back in the day. I don't care that it wasn't that long ago, but I'm, I'm almost 30. So I feel like I have the right to say back in my day, <laughs> back in the day, we were flirt. And by we, I say I, by just, you just add someone on Facebook and you like poke them. Like, I don't even know if Facebook has that feature anymore. I don't think they do, but we used to just poke each other guys. Okay. So I added him on Facebook and I just poked him and he poked me back and we just like kind of poked each other for a little bit. None of us would like say a word. None of us, like not one of us sent each other a message for the longest time, just poking each other. And I, like, that was it. That was like the highlight of my day. Like I'd be on my phone and I'd be like, oh my God, he poked me back, what? Jesus. But at one point, I think that I finally took matters into my own hands and I messaged him. And I think that I said something like, hey, stranger, I will poke you tomorrow. Um, God, that sounds so weird. But I was like, I'll poke you back tomorrow because I have to go to bed. And we just started talking. Um, after that, it was very, very, you know, puppy love. It was very innocent at first. Um, he was my first, this is my ex-husband I'm talking about, by the way. This, he was my first boyfriend, my first everything. First kiss. I mean, not my first kiss, because I had kissed people before. But, like, my first real, like, we're dating kiss, you know? Um... So we started talking for a little bit and he finally asked me on a date, which I also think I pushed that to. He was very shy. And we're on a date. I think we went to see Texas Chen. Um, Texas something, something, Zod. I, I massacre something. I don't know. Uh, it was about someone killing people in Texas, okay? And we went to see that movie and I was waiting the whole time that he would kiss me, you know, um, he didn't. So then we went in the car and he takes me home. And I, I think I said something, oh my God, I'm such a whore. I think I said something about um, wanting to kiss him. And we kissed and it was, got bloody awful. My teeth <laughs> hit his teeth. That's how bad it was, okay? Like, I, I think I just went like with everything I had and we just, clutch and it was not good it was not good and um uh, then after that when like a couple more dates and our kissing got so much better you know practice makes perfect and uh, my mom met him she really liked him he met my cousin later on and some of my family members and yeah so it was it was very it was very innocent, puppy love, like, I'm obsessed with you type of deal at the beginning. And then some toxic behavior started, like, spilling out. And I think it was out of me. Looking back now, I definitely had every symptom for BPD, but at, like, 300. Because imagine someone with BPD. Now imagine a teenager with BPD. And this teenager is not aware of you know, heard symptoms, diagnosis, like anything. I was not diagnosed until the age of 25. So I just, I, I did not know. And I was like, oof, those like emotions were going rampant, okay? And I think that I, like whenever things were just too calm, I will look for ways to start a fight because I could not tell you the because. I could not tell you like the real reason why. It's just, I think that it's just like part of that, you know, BPD is that, like, oh, there's no drama. There's no chaos in my life right now. I'm not feeling anything and I need to make something. So I know that I'm important. So I know that, that you do love me. So I know that you do, you know, want me because that's the type of love that I grew up seeing. It was all this chaos. And so when that was lacking in my own relationship, I didn't feel loved. And so that's that that's I mean that's the best why that I can give you looking back now that's what makes sense and at the time I was at the future soldier program and I 
for those of you that don't know, it was basically like a short program that you do right before you enlist in the army. And I wanted to join the army and I couldn't because I was not the proper weight. They needed me to be 115 pounds and I could not get past 100 pounds for the life of me. They tried, my recruiters tried everything, okay? I, I mean, like, they would buy me Wendy's, McDonald's, like, every kind of fast food that I could think of every time that I had, every Tuesday and Thursday, they would buy me food just to, like, make me fat. And I just couldn't, I couldn't get weight. But after, like, two months of dating Jesse, I remember my, my recruiter asked me if he was going to meet my boyfriend. And I said, yeah. So Jesse comes over to the station and he meets my recruiter and they ask him to the back and they're like, come here, we're going to talk to you. And I'm just sitting at the front for the longest time, just chilling. I think my mom was there. And he comes out, he has this look in his face and I'm just, I'm a little afraid. I'm thinking, God, like, what did they do to you? What, like, I don't know. I thought that they were trying to scare him. Little did I know, guys. Um, Sorry, I'm drinking water. Little did I know that they were trying to get him to enlist. I mean, not trying because they succeeded, but that was that was the plan. That was the whole plan. Um, he Jesse didn't tell me that day right away. Basically, like I was there for hours waiting for him, and he came out, and I was like, "Hey, that took a very long time. Oh, what's going on?" And he just looked at me and was like, oh, nothing. Like, they were just asking me questions about us. And, like, they just really want to make sure that you're okay. And I'm like, oh, okay. Right, because I'm an idiot. And so, later on, he finally confesses, like, oh, by the way, I enlisted in the military. And um, I'll be leaving soon. And I think that the reason why he told me, it was during an argument. Like, this, this is sickening. But during an argument, he told me, like, one of those, like, oh, well, you don't have to worry about me anymore because I'm living soon anyways. One of those, like, you know, I'm the, I'm the victim. It's your fault that you're hurting me. But don't worry because I'm not going to be here anymore. Yeah. And so... After that, I, I was just really sad that he was leaving, but it didn't really hit me until he left. Um, it, he left like shortly after, maybe a month after. We, we were together a total of three months before, like physically, before he enlisted and left like, to basic training and everything. And I'm never going to forget that time because he left and it was like, my whole it's like what am I trying to say it was like my whole world just ended and again looking back I, I can see how that was definitely part of the BPD okay but I could not get out of bed I didn't want to eat I didn't want to sleep I didn't want to talk to people I wanted everyone to leave me alone I missed 17 days of my senior year of high school, not back to back. There were some days that I went to school and I took off like midday. There were some days that I showed up in the morning and I'd be in class and I'd get so sad without even thinking about Jesse. okay? It was so sudden, like I would just get this rush of emotion that just saddened me so much and I would start crying, but I didn't want people to see me cry. So I go to the bathroom and just cry there for a little bit. And then I'm like, okay, I'm good. I'm just going to go back to class. And I'll try to go back to class. And I'm walking through the hallway. And he comes to tears. And then people ask me like, oh my God, are you okay? And I just, I hated the attention. So I would just leave. So again, I missed 17 days of class. I had to do summer school that year. So I could graduate high school. Because I absolutely failed US government at the time. Ironically, because I enlisted in the military after. But absolutely bombed the class basically because I was never there <laughs> um thankfully they had like oh hey like this like, a summer class version I guess that you can take in July and we'll mail you the, your graduation title but <laughs> anyways this was all like the entire time that he was in basic training this is basically how it was my life was just gone nothing really mattered. I was, again, I graduated high school. I was not looking towards anything. I wasn't looking towards what can I do now? Do I still enlist in the military? Do I apply for college? What what can I do? Nothing. I was not thinking about anything. My mom would try to help me and she like asked me, she like sat me down and be like, Miha, 
what are you doing? <laughs> are you like thinking about the tomorrow? Are you thinking about what are you going to do in September? What What's going on? What's the plan? What's the deal? And I just did not have an answer. My answer was Jesse. That that was it. That was all that was in my head. It's Jesse. It's like it was like an obsession. So crazy. And Jesse gets out of basic training, goes on to a text call. I guess for the army it's called AIT. He goes on to AIT and his schedule changes, right? Now he's taking classes at night, do, doing PT at nighttime and sleeping throughout the day or at least the morning. And that's exactly what I did. That's exactly the same schedule that I was following. It was like that pattern. And I did that without even like purposely doing so. Everything that I did was not a conscious made decision it was not a logical decision I never once like actually sat and thought about it there was not a thought process through it it was just emotionally driven and the emotions were BPD driven so everything was like a, at a 200% high okay it wasn't even your regular 100% and uh, I'm never going to forget in text call I well, in AIT, when he was in AIT, he asked me, what were my plans to? And I just, I told him like, hey, I don't think that I want to enlist in the military anymore. I was really afraid of, like, I was really afraid of enlisting and us just going our separate ways. But I think part of me was afraid that I would enlist and change. I think that I was like projecting very much so. I was thinking, hey, I'm going to enlist. We're not going to be in the same place. I'm going to change. I'm going to forget you because this is who I am. And I didn't want that to happen. So I um, I always remember telling him like, I'm not going to enlist. This is not going to happen. I want us to be together. And you know what? Like wherever you guys station at, I'll just join you. I'll just move and um, we can make it work. And he was 100% like all for it. Like, yeah, like I want you to be with me. This is what I want. I don't want us to just like break up because of this, right? He, um, he gets orders to South Korea. He calls me and he tells me, or he texted me actually. And he tells me like, hey, I got orders to South Korea. And I just remember being so sad, more sad than the normal sad. <laughs> I was so devastated and I remember I texted one of the recruiters because I was still like close to them and I said hey I just got news that Jess is going to South Korea like what do I do now and I was just crying just crying and he sends me a message back saying uh well don't jump on jump off the roof haha -ha. and it was like a joke but it was like but like a seriously though <laughs> Because he was like, like, he just knew how bad I had it this past couple months. And he was like, I'm really concerned about you because this behavior is not normal. But like, nobody really knew what to do about it. My mom didn't know what to do about it. My family did not know what to do about it. You just, you just thought like, oh my God, like you must be so in love. Like this must be it, right? At one point, I think my mom did try to take me to a psychologist. And I just remember sitting there and she just was very like dismissive of my emotions and then she made it seem like like I was crazy and I don't even think that people really talked about what BPD was back then because we barely do now and this is a, a, a diagnosis that a lot of people have now so you could imagine that back then it was like and again it's so so sick because back then was what not even that long ago right it was 2013-2012 so not that many years ago but it one it feels like it um two I just know that I never once heard anything about BPD in those during those years so I, I went to this psychiatrist one with psychologist he was a social worker I went to the psychologist once and I was like yeah no this is dumb I'm not doing this again not do I think that maybe I should have been pushed a little bit more yes but at the same time I cannot blame anyone because I was you know hard-headed and I was 18 there was nothing that anyone could do at this point other than just you know give me advice and hope that I take it but anyways um we have this glorious idea that we should get married and I was like yes this is it I don't want anyone else I just want to be with you and now that as an adult I know what love is like I can sincerely say that no that was not real love that was not me being 
really in love at that time. That's all the love that I knew. It had to be this toxic, obsessive, you know, raw thing for it to be love. It had to be chaotic for it to be love. There had to be drama for it to be love because that's all I was familiar with. That's all I saw growing up. That's all I knew. And now that as an adult, I'm more aware of my you know, emotions and more in control of myself and my mind and my actions and my behavior, I look back and it's just, it was me following a pattern, you know, like my brain doing exactly what it felt familiar. That is not love. Now that I've loved someone, sincerely, I can say that wasn't it. But to me at the time, that felt real. To me at the time, that was love. I said yes, that we were going to get married. Um, and we could not get myself, like we could not get it to work where I would just go to Virginia and that's where he was stationed. I think he was stationed at Fort Lee, maybe. Um, we could not get it to to work really. And so we find something online and it's called proxy marriage. And it's like this thing where two people stand on behalf of the both of us basically and it's very legal so it's real <laughs> um excuse me sorry i get really thirsty it's very real it's very legal and we did it i think it cost him maybe seven hundred something dollars at the time and yeah, we were officially legally married July 9th of 2013. Like fully, I remember that I went to summer school that year. I was wearing a ring and I was like, I'm marrying. Like, mm-hmm. I remember people looking at me like, kid, shut your mouth. You're 18. And I wish I had. I wish I had shut my mouth. <laughs> but... Let's uh, see, Jesse goes to Korea and he's supposed to be there for a year. And I did go visit him for a month. Um, it, was, it was fun. It was a fun month for sure. But that year was... It was bad. It's bad. I, I, I generally thought that we were going to get divorced when that man like, came back. As soon as like I was like, he's going to step foot in the United States of America and ask me for a divorce... It was so toxic. I was irrationally jealous at all times. For no reason. For no reason whatsoever. Now, did he cheat or not? I actually do not know because I was not there. Do I think that he did? No, I really don't. Did he? I, again, I, I I was not in Korea when he, when, like, when he was there. But I was like irrationally like such a jealous person. I would go into his Facebook guys and I open his messages and I would go through the whole list. And whenever I saw a girl, I would check her profile, like scroll through everything, make sure that this person had like a partner. As if that even matters, right? Because if you want to cheat, you will cheat. Doesn't matter who you're dating, who you're seeing, it's just whatever, you know? So I would like I would do that and I would sometimes it's not like every single time that I saw a girl, I would like claim him or like asking about it because it was not like that i would just be very passive aggressive or act stupid i would act very stupid like oh like did you did you see like one of your friends um i think that you mentioned her before her name would be blah 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 and it was also not very smart like the way that i brought this shit up i could not make this up it was, i was not a very bright kid clearly and it was just so toxic it was an awful year and when he got back, he got stationed at Fort Irwin, California. And I like to call it Fort Hell because it actually felt like it. And I genuinely believe that the reason why I enlisted in the Air Force at the time, it was not because I loved the military oh so very much, but because of everything that was going on. It was like my ticket. It was like my way out. It was my way out of everything and all of the issues that were going on. and that was it, which I'll explain here in a little bit. We go to Fort Irwin uh, November 4th. It's so weird that I remember the date, but I don't remember like so many pieces of the marriage. Like there are so many months, years even gone that I just don't remember. And I know that it's part of the trauma. I know that my brain does that, you know, survival mode. 
it's kind of the same reason why I don't remember a lot of my childhood. Just a blank, right? It's just a, a blanks, nothing. But I, I do remember like certain dates, which is weird. Um, I remember getting there November 4th, 2014. And at first... I thought like okay this is it like this is this is a good thing this is you know it'll be good we're finally living together everything that was going wrong in Korea was because we were not together um and that was not it that was not it the toxic you know the anger issues that he had started coming out like more often he was so quick to anger it felt like I had to walk on eggshells and again I definitely had and display toxic behavior as well. It was kind of, but in my mind, it just made sense. In my head, it wasn't anything wrong. It was just kind of like an eye for eye, like, oh, he's acting like this because I acted like this, or I acted like this because he behaved like this. It's absolutely normal that we're treating each other like this. It's it's okay. That's that's all I remember telling myself. And obviously, that's a big bad lie. That's just very toxic. And please don't do that. Please do not treat your partners like that, for the love of God, I beg of you. But I remember one time the fight got so out of hand that he told me that he thought that I should leave. Like that was it. Like I, he was like that. Like this is it. Like I'm so tired of you, and I'm so tired of everything. And I just remember, I just remember being absolutely devastated i just remember like he telling me that i should pack my things and that i should go back to portland and at that moment all i could think of was the fear and the feeling of being abandoned never mind that this person and i were definitely not compatible at all whatsoever never mind that this person had been like verbally abusive and you know, emotional abusive, and that I had been so toxic towards him as well. Never mind all of that. All I thought was, oh my God, what do I do now? Like, he's leaving me. He's leaving me again. That That's all I could think about. Like, this is like, for real, I'm not going to be with him tomorrow. What? Like, it's just the end of the world. Once again, I was in that sense part, the end of the world, right? Because nothing else made sense to me at that point. All I can think of was the fear of being abandoned and being left behind by someone that I loved and it was I just couldn't tolerate it so I just remember like crying so much and almost begging like can we like fix this can we make this work and I don't even know guys it was again like some of the memories are like just blah but we we obviously fixed it we fixed it in quotation um we we kept trying and I think this was at the beginning of 2015 and one time he also got in such a big like we got into this big fight and I ended up saying that I was gonna enlist not in the middle of the fight but like after I just kept on thinking what do I have why do I have that it's mine what do I do if things really do get out of control so it's like part of me acknowledged that things could possibly get out of control, but the other part of me was just not fucking with it. Like the other part of me was like, nah, we're Gucci. Like, like this is this is a cool relationship. There's not there's no problems. What are you talking about? But the, then there's like a piece of me that was like well aware that there will be a possibility that I would have to take off. It's just, you know, it was like part of me acknowledged my reality and the other half was like, nah. But the other half was always winning, guys, okay? Back then, always winning. Always winning the fights. Always. Because somehow it always equaled to not being alone. So that's all we cared about at that time. That's all I cared about. Not being lonely, not being alone, not being abandoned. And yeah, I, I, I talked to him about it. I was like, hey, I'm thinking that I might want to enlist. And I'm looking at the Navy and the Air Force. Now think about this. Why would I want to enlist Navy or Air Force when my husband was in the army? Why would I not want to enlist in the army and we could be in the same branch? Why would I make that decision, right? 
And he actually asked me this same question. He was like, why the Navy or the Air Force? Like that couldn't be more, sorry, that couldn't be more opposite of, you know, where he was at. Like imagine if I had gone Navy, I would have never seen this man again in my life. Um, and I was like, well, I don't know. Like it's just like, they offer me what I want. I want to be a medic. And I want to, at the time it was like full on Navy. I was like, hmm, who ya? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I want to be a corpsman. Like this is going to work. It's just, yeah. Uh, this is it like I just want to work in the hospital and he just kept asking me like what are we gonna do because I'm army we're never gonna see each other we're never gonna be stationed together like don't do this what the hell are you doing and I just could not be but I just kept on saying like no it'll work out we can make it happen we can do joint assignments and we we will figure it out it's like I think that like um, like my subconscious was just really trying to get the hell out and Again, just going for the options that would just take me away. That was it. That was the idea. And I'm never going to forget, there was a fight. I just remember this, guys. Like, I, I know it's not, like, you know, relevant or, well, it is relevant, but it's not going with the story. But I just remember this one fight that we got. And I, I was fixing the foot disposal um, under the sink. And I was... I don't even know why I was fixing it, but I was fixing it. And mind you that I did everything in that house, okay? Like gender role, my ass. I was doing everything and anything. But I I was fixing it and he walks in and I remember that he was going, he was wearing his uniform. And I don't even remember how the fight started. I don't remember why the hell the fight started. I don't remember the cause or like the bits and pieces. But what I do remember is that I had given him um, one of those like beer dogs things um, that you can put in the freezer and when it gets really cold you take it out and you just put your drink on it and it just keeps it like cold for the whole time so I had given him one of those that had it was personalized made and he had like the Oregon dogs um, printed on it because he was a college football uh, fan so he, I think it was like sitting on the counter. I just remember like, again, the only frame of that whole memory that I have is me under the sink and he grabbing it, grabbing that jug, like that beer jug thing and like throwing it against the wall and he made a giant hole in the wall. And I just remember freezing and like not really knowing, but I didn't feel like that fear of, or anything else I didn't feel like you know like my heart was beating fast no it was just like frozen like dissociation like full dissociation and this is why I don't remember anything full-on dissociation at that point and the first thought that came to my head whenever the heck I came back from cloud nine was oh great how are we going to pay for that wall now right <laughs> I didn't think about like dude what the fuck I didn't think about like you're aggressive this is toxic you scared me you're showing behavior and patterns that are not healthy and that leads me to believe that at some point you will hit me none of that the only thing that I thought about was like the world dude like how are we gonna pay for that come on okay Ethel but (laughs) I don't even remember how that fight ended that's like how hard I dissociated after that like gone absolutely gone but shortly after that that's when I went to you know I, I think it was called Vacaville or something I don't even remember it was like two it two this city plays two and a half hours away for for Irwin um I walked into the Air Force Station and I was like hey I want to enlist and I want to be a medic this was before the summer this was during the summer of 2015 I think it was June and at this time, I was just doing college, but I couldn't work on base because I was not a citizen. So I was just doing college, and Jesse was gone 18 days out of the month. Imagine that. 18 days out of the month, that man was gone to the field, and the little bit that he'd be home, would fight. And I just somehow did not see a problem with this. Let that sink in. I... Sadly enough, did not pass my first ISBAT test. Not the official, but the practice one that they give you in the office, which made me feel really stupid. I still think about that some days, not gonna lie to you. <laughs> it's just like, I felt like the math version of it. And I think it's because I have been out of high school for a while now, because I graduated in 2013 and I just could not remember anything. I had to get one of those like ISBAT for dummy books and I actually feel like I 
like I fit to country at the time, okay? But um, I studied so much and I went and I passed a test. I passed a practice with like high 90s and then I went to the real one and I passed that one too. And then I went to MAPS and I got disqualified right on the spot and I was devastated. I just thought like, this is it. I'm not gonna be able to enlist. I'm not allowed to work on base. I have nothing. I don't have a car. I don't have my own income. I don't have anything. I'm basically no one. That's how I felt. I was no one. I depended on this man solely. And I will explain to uh, to what extent did I depend on him, okay? He went to buy a car and I just kept on asking him like, can you get an automatic because I don't know how to drive and I need to learn how to drive, right? He got a Honda Civic Si, um, it was a manual. And he just told me like, you'll learn, I'll teach you. Took forever to actually think about like, hey, let me get the fuck up and actually teach you how to drive. But when he did try, it was the most traumatic thing in the world. He would not stop yelling at me. He got, he'll get so aggressive, just like verbally abusive and just, just yelling at me. And until this day, if I'm in the car and someone starts yelling, I have to pull over because I cannot drive. My brain automatically goes to dissociation and I will miss like a red light or a green. Like I, I will literally just don't know what to do. I just like sit in the car and I'm just like, yeah, I'm behind the wheel and I could crash and I wouldn't know it because my brain is like in this survival mode now that it's just fucking blank. And it's all because of that. Like he would just like start screaming. And again, childhood trauma comes back. He's just like yelling at me and I just could not do it. I give up. I went into like the, what's it called? The, the army not the army it was like the for Irwin wives or something like that and um you know like all these bases like small bases that don't have you know a lot of like outside community the community is pretty tight on base so I um uh, posted there I made like this status and I was like hey guys would anybody please be willing to help me drive like just teach me because I don't know how to drive and I really do need to get my license before I go to MIPS because I want to go to basic training with a driver's license. I knew that I was going to go to basic open general and if I didn't have a driver's license, I had no chance of getting a medic job because you need to have a driver's license for that. I And I asked that and immediately someone was um, replying like, hey, I have a car and I take my husband to the field. So I keep the car, I keep the car because I have a kid. I can teach you. And her name was Riley and I never going to forget her because I could honestly say that I would have not been able to go to basic with a driver's license if it wasn't for her. She not only offered her car, but she offered her time, her friendship, her house, like just everything and I'm so thankful to her honestly so Riley if you're hearing this girl I absolutely love you and I will forever on you for your you know your everything that you did for me honestly um you're such a kind human being I, I am so thankful for that and honestly I hope that you're doing great girl because you deserve it but going back to the story I could not learn how to drive with Jesse so he would take his car. Obviously, he would go to the field and he would take his car. So I'm stuck in this house 18 days out of the month with no transportation. I don't have a car. I don't have a bike. I don't have nothing. Nothing. He would not even want to... I remember asking him once, like, hey, can we, like, purchase a bicycle? And he was like, no. And I bought my own, like, bicycle, like, bike because I was going to college. So one of the, like, the student loans in one account I had like a lot left and I just went and I bought like some stuff that I needed for school I like a printer and stuff like that and then I bought a bike with like the rest of the money and that's how like I got around for the longest time till I enlisted was with this bicycle and like again not once did I sat down and think about how all of this is fucked up okay I, I didn't I did not think about it I didn't have the whole process it just did not matter to me at that moment which is sickening because it's just like that that was normal that was the normal that was what was normal and healthy in a relationship to me that's all I saw how would I be able to compare if I never saw anything better you know and it also did not help that we were at an army base because I feel like everyone else's marriage just was just as bad like no worse so it also is not like I had like the perfect 
you know, couple friendship to compare to like, oh, Mandy and Brady do this, you know, it's different. Like, I could not even like look at that because everybody else was just as fucked, if not worse. But I, after that, I got my driver license in April of 2016. Thank Jesus and Riley. <laughs> and like, it was like, I went to MIPS the first time without my driver's license. And so the second time, my recruiter at the recruiter at the time calls me. He's like, "Hey, what are you doing Tuesday?" And I was like, "Uh, nothing. Why?" He just tells me, "Well, now you know you're going to basic training. Pack your things, and you need to be at Maps in San Diego by Monday." And yeah, that happened. <laughs> well, Jesse was in the field, so I had to text um one of my friends, and thankfully, someone that he worked with. Um, she was so kind, really helpful. I think her last name was Diaz at the time. She helped me so much too. Like she took me to Barstow, uh, the, you know, the Walmart in Barstow and just bought, like we bought everything that I needed for basic. And I texted Jesse and I was like, hey, I'm supposed to leave for basic on this day. Can you like come back to say bye or something? Like, you know, cause I'm not going to see you till God knows when. He was like, yeah, yeah, I, I figured it out. And I, I almost do not think that he was going to make it because his leadership was giving him a very tough, like, very hard time. But he made it. And I, he drove me to San Diego that Monday and we said goodbye. He cried a lot. And I cried, not going to lie. But when I walked into the hotel, it was like, like, that was it. It was over. Like, I just remember having, like, this big weight lifted off my back. And I was so glad. I was just like, oh, this is this is peaceful. I was about to leave for basic training and I thought that was peaceful. I wanted to sit and think about that. And like looking back now, I kind of want to slap my younger self because what the hell, bitch. But and just rem- I just remember like I went up the stairs. I went to my room and I immediately started talking to the girl that I was there, like I was going to go to basic with. And then, like, I just, I took a shower, too, blah, blah, blah. I talked to, like, I went downstairs, played some video games with some of the guys that I was, you know, there with. And the next day, it was, you know, wake up early, get ready. We're going to MAPS. Get on the bus, go, you know. And it was like, it's real. I was like, oh, this is real. I'm about to go, you know, head to the, go to the airport and just go to Texas. Like this is, this is freaking real. And I could have not been more excited. I could have not been more excited. Like I was not sad. I was, I was just like, this is it. This is, this is it. This this is my moment. This is finally my moment has come. I, I will be someone. I will become someone. And it's going to be my, by my hard earned self. Like I, I earned that. Like I will sweat literally through it and it will be my accomplishment it will be nobody else's I would I would have done that myself and suffered through it and I'm going to be proud proud of myself for once like that's all I thought about that's all the motivation I needed and honestly guys that's that's what got me through everything in basic training because if you're wondering how many letters I got from Jesse doing basic, the answer is one. One. I had no support, no nothing. I think I tried calling him twice. We talked like twice, and then on a day, like my flight was so good that we had like an extra phone call one day or some shit. And I tried calling him. I go like all like he could tell me was like, why are you even able to call if you're in like a week four of basic training? Like, why are you like so relaxed? Like, where are you at? And I was like, oh, and the I'm at the Chopet. Like, we're we're just like you know I'm about to eat something and like I'm just calling you and he's like, oh, like that's weird because when I was in basic, blah 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 blah, and like that's it. Like he did not ask me, are you okay? You're going to make it through this, babe. I love you. You'll be fine. Like none of that. None. I miss you. Nothing. No, one letter, and he had less less than six sentences and one photo of my dog and him. Thank God that I got to see my dog, right? But that was it. That was it. That that's the only confirmation that hey, your husband's still alive. That I got. So when I say that I really did went through that shit myself, 
I went through that shit myself. I went through basic training with no motivation other than mine and my flight mates at the time. And for that, I am forever grateful because I thought, guys, that I was going to get there. And I remember at first I was like, oh, we're all going to freaking hate this. It's 52 of us in one freaking room, you know, sharing shower, sharing everything. Like we're together at all freaking times. I don't want to see your faces anymore. It was kind of like that at the beginning. I thought that those were the thoughts that I had in my head. Like, we're all just going to hate each other. That was it. Like, you know how they say, like, oh, my God, a bunch of girls in one room. It's going to be awful. And I'm so glad that it was not. It was not. I love this woman. I absolutely love this woman. And I know that I was tough to love at times. I know I had such a shitty attitude. But the comfort, the love, the security, the motivation that I got in that in that room, bay A, bay B, <laughs> never going to forget the motivation. Like I still talk to these people. I still talk to this woman till this day. Those are my sisters. Like I love you guys. I remember when I did not get a letter from anyone once and everyone like in my flight got so many letters and I went to the, like the bay area and I was just like holding it together. I wanted to cry so much. And the dorm chief at the time comes to me and she's like, hey, love, like, are you okay? Is it okay? Like, what's going on? Is it because your husband did not message you? Like, did not send you a letter, message you. Oh my God. Did not send you a letter. And I, I, I just could not hold it any longer. I just started crying so much and it just made me so sad. And within seconds, I had several women next to me making sure that I was okay. And that's, that's the kind of like, that's the motivation and the love that like got me to really just keep going and to not give up and to just make it because it wasn't, and I know this sounds like so corny, but it wasn't about me anymore. It was about all of us, right? And it's just like, it really is like sisterhood in there. And I met some of these women, I love you guys so much. Like hell in 2021, I when I went to like my egg donation, my first egg donation, who went with me? Deniston. <laughs> And that was like, I hadn't seen her since 2016 basic training, but we still like had each other on all social medias, you know, who do I still call sometimes? Like Kelsey, you know, who's all the way in Japan, you know, who do I still talk to about my disabilities and stuff like that? Like Alan, who's all the way in South Florida, Miami, you know, it's like, I still talk to these people and I still cherish them and I know that sometimes I like I said I was not easy to love but they were there for me and I'm never going to forget that I will never forget that but I hate to say this because I did miss him a lot you know when I was in basic I oh yeah I did I, I I loved him you know I I missed him I wanted him to cherish me I wanted him to miss me I wanted him to acknowledge my presence or my lack of therefore I wanted him to you know like realize that oh my god like I came home my wife is not here let me how do I feel let me tell her how I feel and I didn't get any of that and that was like one of those things that just strips the love out of you it's like there's just so many things that can happen Till you can certainly for sure say, hey, I I cannot do this anymore because I no longer love you. There's only so many things that, like, and I love hard. When I love, I do love hard. And that was one of those, like, big things that just, after that, I did not know how to love him again. It was so, it was so, such a, like, slap in the face. It was so hard, especially because when he was in basic... I sent him a letter a day, a day. He was there for nine and a half weeks and he had a letter a day. Now I'm not asking, I did not ask for him to do that for me because he had a job. He was taking care of the house. He was taking care of my dogs. I was not asking for even half of the same effort, but I did not even get 20% of that. Not even 20% of that. And that was just a, a big sucker punch that took the air out a lot. And it took a lot to get it to get it back. And 
we'll talk about that on part two of this because you know the next part is going to be it's going to be rough it's going to be going through tech school how we almost got divorced there and moving together to little rock air force base and the first part of our marriage before everything like crumbled into pieces like for good um because that's when it gets really really ugly that's when it gets very very abusive and toxic and there's just going to be it's a lot it's going to be a lot and it might be a little bit difficult for me to talk about so I will have to gather my thoughts on that but I I'll, I'll make it happen I think it's important to talk about um however thank you for giving me this hour or 55 minutes of your time to listen to a little bit of my life, a little bit of my story. And the point of this is not, I don't want to like badmouth someone, you know, this is not what I'm doing. I'm not just telling false information, none of that. I, I mainly the first part of the pod is for you guys to see, you know, all the insides of heartbreaking stories and how we healed and how we cope and how we managed to get out of that you know, hole that was dragging us down and how we are surviving now because that's important. How many of us go through that? You know, a lot, I bet. A lot. So this is this is what we're doing here. And I wanted to open that new chapter of my life now, you know, with the podcast by telling my story. And eventually I want to bring people in and so they can to share their stories and how they managed to, you know, survive as well, how they managed to heal. What did they do to cope with everything that was going on at that time of their lives, you know? And the point is to see like the ups and downs and the difference in, you know, ages and how each one of us just goes through the trauma. Each one of us made it out of that. So once again, thank you for listening to the cloud of words and I hope that you have a good day, a good night. Don't forget to stretch before bed and after you wake up and I'll see you soon again. Love is. Bye. <laughs>